you ever had an idea that was shot down before it even gets started? Imagine if you had a great concept for a new business. It's an app where people can say whatever they want as long as it's less than a few sentences and then people can respond to each other and connect with each other in real time. It'll be fantastic. You start Googling app developers and constructing a business plan only to be told that Twitter already exists. In the same way, some people want to dismiss the approach to knowing God through creation before we even get started. Maybe it's not a perfect analogy, but today, on the Disciple Science Podcast, we'll address some common criticisms of natural theology to determine if we should continue our search for an authentic Christian theology of nature. Welcome to the Disciple Science Podcast. I'm Dale Gentry, and last week we got started on a new topic introducing two books of Revelation, this old metaphor from over a thousand years ago that was introduced to help us conceive of God revealing himself to us both through the work of Scripture and through the work of nature, the creation of the universe. And out of that grew this field of natural theology, which is a little bit mysterious and makes some of us feel uncomfortable, including me, if I'm honest. But I believe that it's something that requires further exploration because what we will discuss and find and need explanation of is that when we encounter nature, we find that there is an experience that begs of explanation beyond what science can provide. And I believe that natural theology, if done wisely with the right approach, can begin to provide meaning to those experiences. And so as we uh, dig in today, we're going to address some of the criticisms that people have of this approach of natural theology and help us decide whether these criticisms are legitimate and that we should abandon natural theology or whether we, are, uh, whether we can overcome those criticisms and move beyond them into something that is meaningful, that can be a valuable contribution to our, our journey of faith, and can even speak into the field of science to help us understand and make sense out of some of the more transcendent questions about purpose and meaning in nature. Among the problems that people have with natural theology is that the same term is used to describe a number of different topics. And for that reason, when one person says, I think natural theology is a bogus idea, and somebody else says, I think natural theology is a great idea, what we might find is that they're not talking about the same thing, and they might both agree that one idea is great and the other idea is foolish. So it's important that we get the definition right, and that's part of our struggle. So some of this first part is going to come out of an excellent book by Alistair McGrath, who is a scientist and theologian, who is one of the authorities on this field of natural theology. He's written um, multiple books on the topic, and one of his most recent books is titled Reimagining Nature, The Promise of a Christian Natural Theology. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. This book has really shaped my ideas about what natural theology can be and why it's worth pursuing. And it's 
a little bit technical and intellectual, so it's not the easiest read, but it's also not so technical that it's inaccessible to somebody with a, a decent vocabulary in the, the, the fields of, of science and philosophy and, and religion. So if you're, if you're interested, I strongly recommend it. Now in the book, he addresses six different ideas that have all garnered the label of natural theology. So as we move forward, we need to clarify what we mean when we say natural theology so as not to cause confusion by um, mistaking our description for something else that might be used by another. The first topic that is branded with natural theology is a branch of philosophy which is investigating what human reason alone can tell us about God. So there's no mention of Christianity or revelation. This is a very popular approach for a, a secular audience and its appeal to just pure reason. For that reason, this is not what I'm interested in. I believe that my Christian faith is a, is a give and take. It's me pursuing God and God being revealed to me, intentionally revealing God's self to me and that the spirit is involved in that process. And so to appeal to human intellect alone is uh, fundamentally um, missing an aspect of the equation that I think is critical to making meaning out of things. A second definition is that natural theology is a demonstration of the existence of God based on the, the regularity of the natural world and the complexity of the natural world. This has emerged out of Christian apologetics and is also really popular with Catholics at a certain time that we could almost prove the existence of God because we lack explanations for certain aspects of the cosmos, such as the uh, fine-tuning of the universe that's necessary to produce life or the lack of an explanation for the Big Bang. And while this is a compelling topic, and it's one that we'll talk about in the future. This is not what I think of as natural theology. Theology to me is making meaning. It's not just proof for the existence of God. And in a side note, I don't think that we can prove God. I think that's a logical fallacy that God can be proven in the strictest sense of the term. So maybe we don't need to go any further there, but that's the topic we'll discuss another day. Another approach is that natural theology is the intellectual outcome of this natural tendency that's built into humans inherently to be inclined toward God, that somehow each of us is inclined toward their creator and that this is more looking inward than looking outward. So again, while that's an interesting topic for discussion, I'm much more interested in about a theology of nature than I am in what the nature of humans can reveal about our desire to experience God. Another definition is that natural theology is a demonstration that the materialistic or naturalistic account of the world is fundamentally lacking and that theology is required to give a full comprehensive view of the nature of the universe. And while I also find that um, intellectually uh, fascinating and is another topic that I really want to dig into in the future, this is not natural theology to me. That's a, a more a question of the limitations of science and what questions science can't answer 
that theology can, but I'm much more interested in exploration of the intellectual resonance between human experience of nature and the Christian gospel, and that somehow embedded within the natural world is a message that can help us grasp the idea that there is a God, and that we're loved by that God, and that we need a Savior. While that might sound crazy to you, and I say that because it sounded crazy to me years ago, uh, I ask you just to bear with me, because what we'll find is that there are some very wise scholars in science, the field of Christians in science at least, and in theology, that think that might very well be. And the last definition that also sort of resonates with me, and that is overlapping, I think, with that same idea, is that natural theology is, is more like a theology of nature that is reflecting the core assumptions of the Christian faith that can be um, discovered through an intellectual engagement with the natural world. Uh, and, but an intellectual engagement that's guided by the Spirit and might require um, more than just a plain reading of data in the way that science does. So again, natural theology uh, can take on many roles, but for me, it's this uh, engagement of what is the natural world and does it have purpose beyond its own existence? Does it have purpose in what Psalm 19 says, in revealing the glory of God? I want to explore that idea. What does it mean that creation reveals the glory of God? Now, beyond just natural theology being a little vague, uh, because multiple ideas have been paired with the same term, there are other people that are uncomfortable with natural theology for different reasons in that they think it is a, an unwise approach, and I want to address those as well. Uh, one criticism is that natural theology is dependent on the intellect of humans, partly because in the past that process has failed, that human intellect has sought meaning from nature and has led us in what our modern hindsight being 2020 as it is, we now think to be the wrong direction. Now, this is most prominently seen in the writing and thinking of a theologian named Karl Barth, uh, who was a German uh, theologian and pastor in Germany during the rise of the Third Reich at a time in which aspects of natural theology were used as defenses for Nazi doctrine. And so I think we have to acknowledge the the cultural baggage that went along with Barth's refusal to accept natural theology because he saw natural theology being used by the Germans for harm. And so while I resonate with why he took that position, I don't think it is confirmation of why we should reject this altogether. In the same way that people have approached scripture and tried to make meaning out of it that I now think, and I think most of us now think, is a faulty interpretation, a faulty um, representation of what that scripture is intended to tell us. Some people use scripture to defend uh, slavery, and other people use scripture to oppress women and, and minorities in general. Um, so scripture can be misused just like 
uh, an interpretation of nature can be misused. So just because people do it poorly doesn't mean that it can't be done well. So I understand Bart's apprehension about natural theology, but I don't think it's a reason that we shouldn't refine our approach and say, can we do it better? Is there still something there that can give us some meaning? Another approach to that same idea is often uh, voiced by the by the very conservative interpretations of scripture associated with the young earth creationist movement. I know that's a term that we haven't really defined yet, but I imagine that most of you are probably familiar with it. Uh, young earth creationists are those that hold to a certain interpretation of the Genesis account and believe that it is a historical narrative that's depicting the creation of the earth and the universe and all the life on it about 6,000 years ago. The young earth creationists usually dissuade Christians from exploring natural theology and finding meaning in nature because the exploration of nature and mainstream science yields evidence that suggests that the earth is not 6,000 years old uh, and that life has changed over very long periods of time. So the young earth creationist approach to that is to um, have faith in their interpretation of scripture and to argue that the both the the earth and the universe was affected by by the the fall of Adam and Eve, and our ability to interpret and understand science is affected by the secular world and our sinful fallen nature, and therefore they say the scripture is is re- reliable, authoritative, uh, and simple and that nature is prone to misunderstanding and is fundamentally different from its original form. They believe that there was what's sometimes described as a a cosmic fall when Adam and Eve uh, first ate from the fruit about which they were told not to eat, that it changed the nature of the universe, and that the universe went from being completely good to now less good. There's nothing inherently flawed in that interpretation, although it does require a lot of elaboration. And certainly, I'm not a theologian, but I do have my opinions, as do all of us. Uh, But where I take issue with their perspective is that they then extrapolate it into the conclusion that we should not trust what we see in creation because of the fall, and that we can't Uh, reliably find the goodness of God and creation. And furthermore, that we can't trust the scientific conclusions that are drawn from studies of nature. And and that's how they arrive at their uh, 6,000-year-old interpretations, not by studies of the earth, because we don't see scientific evidence that points to 6,000 years, but by their interpretations of scripture, which they say trumps the scientific evidence. This is problematic if they then conclude that the earth is no longer good, that it can no longer uh, reveal the glory of God, or that we should abandon natural theology altogether. And so that approach resonates with a lot of people, but I want to push back against it a little bit. If the fall clouds our ability to understand nature, then it should cloud our ability to understand everything else as well, including scripture. And I have a hard time, therefore, thinking that the Spirit will guide our understanding of scripture, but not of anything else. 
which seems to be the underlying assumption behind their rejection of natural theology, but embrace of, of, um, of written revelation in scripture. And so I think that's the wrong approach. And furthermore, you know, if the fall prevented us from understanding the natural world, then you could argue it should have prevented us from understanding everything else in the natural world as well. But as we know, science gives us the ability to test our knowledge and we can confirm uh, one theory or one hypothesis over another. We don't prove things with certainty, but we can come up with evidence to support our ideas. And therefore, if our understanding of the natural world was so flawed and so vulnerable to misunderstanding because of the fall, you would think we wouldn't be able to treat illness or predict the behavior of animals or uh, understand plant physiology or really any of these uh, fields. And so for them to imply that we can't understand the age of the earth or the history of life on earth um, because of the fall, I think is, is misleading and problematic. So while the approach of the Young Earth Creationist group is one that I want to un hear and understand and listen to, uh, and I very much love and respect my, uh, my friends and associates that have that perspective, I don't think it's a, a valid reason to uh, essentially, what I think, ignore these uh, very valid reasons for thinking that God did create with a purpose and that God's creation is still good and that if we encounter it with open hearts and a Christian worldview that God can speak to us through it. One final criticism of natural theology that I think needs to be addressed and in my opinion this is the most valid uh, criticism that needs the most attention is that nature is is uh, vague in what it reveals. It's, it's theologically opaque. And so we're stuck trying to make meaning from something that isn't um, self-evidently authoritative. So the ambiguity of the natural world has been interpreted by some to signify meaninglessness and indifference and that there is no reason for hope in a future and uh, according to some people has led to the growth of uh, the the modern atheist movement and so i don't want to argue that encountering god in nature is plain and simple and stark in fact i've always wrestled with paul's words in Romans 1.20, where it says, what can be known about God is plain to be seen. I think it may have been to that ancient worldview, but in our modern understanding where we are uh, reasoning through modern logic and we all have uh, minds that are heavily influenced by enlightenment thinking, we struggle to make sense out of abstract ideas. I think that's part of why our society um, wrestles so much with art. We don't know what to make of things that are inherently subjective in their interpretation. And we question the value of, of you know, studying something that is prone to different 
opinions, different interpretations, different understandings, and we end up cutting art programs from public schools and pulling it from the curriculum of liberal arts colleges, etc. So I think this is quite a valid critique in that when we will invite people to revisit the natural world and consider what it can, how it can inform our theology, we will find people coming up with different explanations. Uh, and this is similar to, you know, we've all encountered this, maybe not uh, personally, but we are aware of people who use God as a defense for their actions. And they say, well, God told me to take this job, or God told me that you and I will be in a relationship, or God told me, you know, that I should do this awful thing, and it turns into a, a pathology of some sort. And so in the same way that people use God told me X, Y, and Z in order to defend their actions, and in many cases, perhaps they do honestly believe that God told them those things, uh, we will probably encounter the same thing. If we open up Pandora's box of natural theology, we probably will find people telling us that when I uh, study nature, uh, I, this is the message that's revealed to me. And it might be one that we would feel quite uncomfortable with and maybe is, is really not compatible with our walk of faith um, uh, following Jesus. And so is the risk of having that perspective uh, so severe that we should dismiss natural theology altogether and just ignore it and, and make it go away. I don't think it is. Right? In the same way that people misunderstand Scripture and misunderstand God speaking to them, people will get this wrong, but there's so much to be revealed. I think there's so much truth that's out there. And, and then in the next weeks to come on the podcast, we're going to dig back into the Scripture and see that natural theology is pervasive in uh, God's Word and that the use of uh, metaphors from nature to help us know God and understand God and, and Jesus and the message of redemption and the walk of faith is ubiquitous. And, and therefore, it's signaling that God wants us to engage with creation so that we can know him through it. And while it is prone to misunderstanding and error, I also think that it can transform our modern messy relationship with the natural world as Christians in which we feel uncomfortable studying it because we've been told somehow that that this place is, is temporary and is fallen and evil and will transform it to reclaim the theology of God's good creation and one that proclaims the glory of God and reveals God's eternal power and divine nature through its mere existence. So in the weeks to come, we'll revisit natural theology as we find it in Scripture and try and paint a picture for how each one of us can go out and search for God through nature on our own. Thanks for listening to the Disciple Science Podcast. Disciple Science is a crowdfunded nonprofit organization that's exploring the intersection of faith and science. We believe that scientific understandings can work together with 
a Christian worldview to produce a fuller picture of reality. We're hard at work on more videos and resources that will help you see a vision for how science and nature can fit as a meaningful way into your walk of faith. You can support the artists that are making these videos right now by contributing financially to Disciple Science with the support button on the website. There you can also explore the rest of our resources, sign up for our newsletter, and send us feedback about what you want to hear more about in the future. You can also help by rating and sharing our videos and podcasts and telling your friends about these resources. I want to thank Caleb Davis for producing this episode and composing our theme music. I'm Dale. Thanks for listening. And let's go find God in what we know.